God, we've got to do better, man. We are not saving independent cinema with this shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> all, all we're going to do is uh, refer back to uh, other films that not a lot of people saw. Welcome to Projecting Film, the podcast where movies meet. I'm your host, Michael Deniston. Now, in this episode, myself and my co-host, Chris Maynard, look at the latest film from Angus McLaughlin, Abundant Acreage Available, which you can now watch on VOD and in limited theatrical cities. But even if you haven't watched the film, the premise of this podcast is that we put two older selections, classics, at least in our estimation, that are a good projection of what we believe you will get with this newest film. But for now, here's the trailer for Abundant Acreage Available, so you can project your own ideas of what this film will be right now. And after that, our discussion on all three selected films. You just want to hold his hand again, I bet. You feel like an orphan now? We're fine. Are you? How did you know our daddy? Do you remember our late papa at all? The sweetest man there was. But mama had him thrown in jail. She sold all of this to your family. Cheap. All of this was gone. Can you imagine losing everything? What's going on? I asked Hans if he wanted our farm. This is our place, and we'll be as long as I'm alive. Maybe we should go start making our lunch. Oh, no, that's just stupid. I'm making lunch. What are you doing? It's all nothing. I thought it was mine, but it's nothing. So burn it. This is our place. Right here, right now. On his farm, where he spent his life. This is where we should be for eternity. Do you think I'm cold? I don't think you're cold. Or maybe just not warm. You're a good person. Uh, I don't really know how to start with this one. Um, we're kind of in the bag, aren't we? For it, we were both big fans of uh, Angus McLaughlin's previous film, Goodbye to All yes. That. Like, uh, Not that we were the only fans, but... Um, in the sort of movie podcast community, we were banging the drum pretty hard on that one. And it kind of felt like uh, not, not a lot of people were jumping on board with it. It did win some awards at some festivals and got some good notices as far as this is the best movie streaming right now that you haven't seen mm. those kinds of things. But it felt like something that in a lot of ways went unnoticed for some reason. And I don't understand it because it's something that seemed like it would have mass appeal. It was just a nice really ro- a romantic comedy that actually was legitimately funny. I'm going to speak to something and this is a, a bit, uh, a hipster douche of me, uh, to, <laughs> to pimp out our previous show. But, uh, you know, we got to, uh, thankfully we got the, the chance to interview, uh, the writer and director, uh, Mr. McLaughlin for that. And he actually kind of spoke to some of the negative feedback of that one. Uh, the, the sort of like, problematic culture we we live in where uh his main character there who you know it's a sex comedy of sorts 
that people were not responding in the way that he intended uh, to the actual sex comedy aspects of it. Um, and I felt like he kind of, he kind of, he doubles down a little bit here with, uh, with the same type of characters that he enjoys writing, which, uh, they're not clear as far as like rooting interests. Like uh, Paul Schneider in that, uh, that film, uh, he has a lot of flaws. I mean, it's, it's, oh, sure. it's, it's not just like this, you know, in that film, it's a guy that's apparently blindsided, uh, by his wife wanting a divorce. And, uh, that's something that you should root for this guy. But then as you peel back the layers, you just start to see, you know, some issues that he was willfully ignorant of there. And I, th- I think it's interesting. It's, it's clearly like a, a, a topic. It's a theme that is revisited here about, uh, when something is brought to your attention, what you do with that information, how do you proceed with your life? Not a sex comedy here, although there 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 are moments. I was say, if, if you were seeing sex in this movie, I, I I mean, I guess it's there's a sexual element hinted at in the third act, but not a lot of sex here. No, but there is certainly you know the the plot of this film is that it becomes this land battle that really precedes all of the the characters. Uh, it's it's about their 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 parents and uh, you know very very flawed men here and. Uh, the, these people arrive at the, uh, not even the doorstep, just on <laughs> way out in the backyard of our, of our main characters. Uh, primarily Amy Ryan is the one that I think is going to be talked about a lot here. Gives a great performance and is definitely a, a film, a cinephile favorite. And she's, she's the daughter of a man who has, you know, have bought this property from these, these grown adults who have an interest in, uh, reacquiring it. And so that's, that's where we go. It's, it's very, uh, I don't want to overstate it, but it, it, you know, it's kind of, it's got that sort of Shakespearean scope, but in that, like in a very like average citizen, uh, North Carolina, small town community vibe, but it is about like this legacy that families leave behind and primarily based around land. And so, yes, there's no sex comedy here. So I don't know if this one's, (laughs) I don't know if this one's got a hook to, to sell people as much. It's a little bit darker, a little bit deeper, but I, I was all over this one. So as I said, I think we're both in the back here. So I don't know if people can handle this much positivity <laughs> from us. So they may just want to turn off the episode, but I hope they don't. I hope they at least check out the film before we just ruin it for them. I do hope people will check it out as well. But the um, the idea of it being a land battle, as you put it, might be overselling a little bit because it is the confrontation is really, for the most part, very subtle here. There's not huge, aggressive, you know, moments uh, there's a few probably two that i can think of but that's mostly between jesse and tracy uh between the brother and sister not between these you know either one of them and the three brothers that come in i guess you know tracy is clearly unhappy with them and is not welcoming but at the same time she's still polite and makes dinner and you know it's so it's this the confrontation aspect of it is there but it's more how this brother and sister are reacting to these you know three men showing up these three other brothers that have a right to this land uh, possibly. And so how each one of them is reacting to it. The one thing that I was curious about is how you took each of these characters reaction to that. Um, If it seems like uh, Amy Ryan's character, Tracy is clearly, you know, not wanting to have any part of this. And Jesse kind of feels like this is a way out. Um, and it's something that he had been thinking out for a while and he's kind of using this as an excuse to move on with his life. Did, did you see it that way as well? Cause it's never really 
spoken as much and it's not as clear but it feels like that that's what he was going on in his mind yeah i would i would have to say that i probably uh you know side with um i I think it's a film with a lot of nuance to it but uh, unfortunately i'm a man without nuance so i'm siding (laughs) with one character the entire time and that would be tracy that would be amy ryan uh, because i'm also a star fucker that way i'm gonna go with the biggest star in the film i'm gonna side with her so um the reason is and there's there's a lot of interesting elements here uh, I I'm made very uncomfortable uh, pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, actually, I could just end the sentence there. I'm made uncomfortable <laughs> by a lot of things on a daily basis. <laughs> but uh, in regards to this film and uh, and my life is with the I, I, I guess that you could call it like an oversharing that we're we're kind of being groomed to accept from people as far as their their personal pain and especially on social media uh, i i see it as i said uh almost daily where someone is putting something out there for comfort and you do have to sit back and realize like okay you're only seeing this because you're some sort of internet friend you know that they they but since they're talking to so many people and it's so such a public outcry and such a public outpouring of support i find that kind of strangely imply and so the jesse character here <laughs> played by terry kenny it's not that public it's obviously it's just a brother and sister and they're very close yeah and it's very personal to them it's it's their family's land and he has tragedy in his past but he is a character that bothers me because i don't feel like this is absolution i feel like this is just a continuation of this saga of this pain and that he has stopped any real personal growth after that tragedy which he rightfully feels some guilt and shame about and so this just sort of you know he can be manipulated and i don't necessarily think that the the men that are coming there are there just to manipulate them you know i don't this is not a film about money it's not about trying to develop the land (laughs) or anything of that nature but they're really attuned to his pain because they're they're also they have their own family uh, drama and tragedy going on and they're, they're men they're looking at the end of their life the problem I have with the Jesse character is that he's still too young to be looking at sort of his his final gesture in this world <laughs> you know I mean it's like there's what is the after effects of this like what are the years after you give up your family's land and you also give up something that's very important to your sister so I don't find him very likable and I would never consider that gesture ever in the slightest i would listen to the other person listen to these three senior citizens but i would say like look if you want to you know be buried here you want to bury your your relatives we can make that happen for you but no i'm not i'm not gonna give up like the only world i've known just to ease your and my pain because there are other people involved here primarily his sister tracy well and that's one of the things i actually really liked about Jesse's character. I didn't trust him. I didn't trust the motivations that he was explaining. Um, I don't think he was being forthright and honest in the way that he was describing um, his motivations. And I felt like that was one of the best things about this character is because of how complicated he was. And I don't think he was being intentionally, he wasn't, you, you weren't meant to feel sympathy for him. I don't think that, you know, you're really expected to feel sympathy for anybody but Amy Ryan in this film. Even the three brothers that show up, um, they're they're odd. <laughs> and it's the oversharing. Things- it's a, I feel like I yeah. I don't know you well enough 
uh, fictional film character, but also, <laughs> you know, Amy, Amy Ryan here, Tracy does not know them well enough to be that involved with them. It's a weird situation. It's you, you brought up, she offers to like cook them breakfast dinner, or what have you like that. They can kind of stay for a couple of days, but it is weird that she even sort of entertains them for as long as they did. It's a, it's a, it's a strange, uh, home invasion movie that way where it's just these, these three sort of troubled souls just on your property. And all, what they want is something that neither one of the, the brother and sister can really give them, even if you're giving them something tangible, but like the land. Oh, I, I agree completely. But, um, one of the real strengths of the film is we never find out, too much about what these brothers are really look for looking for what's really motivating them. It's all told from this brother and sister's point of view. Um, we have insight to it in the end. Um, but that's really just from one of their point of views. It's so it's very much, um, you know, Tracy's story here that's being told. So I'm glad that we don't have this. It doesn't go off into this sort of villainous territory where, you know, you kind of, they had these nefarious motives or anything like that. It's actually just a far more, it's a smaller, more human story. And well, because we don't, Oh, if, sorry, go ahead. If it's nefarious, it's that, and you know, one of the, one of the, the men uh, has some, some, uh, some of his mental faculties have, have left him. He's, he's having sure. some health issues, but the, the sort of the leader of, of the group, uh, Hans, seems strangely naive or childlike in how he can write the ending to their lives. Like it, there's this, there is a weird sort of matchmaking element going on here, which yeah. uh, as I'm watching the film, I do think it's nefarious, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like after, after it's over, I'm just like, Oh, that, that, there's, it's like these men like come back to this, this land. They're, they're trying to embrace uh, that, th this, this fairy tale ending that it's just like no matter you know even if, if you're the the brother here and you're trying to acquiesce to them you, you cannot give them this this perfect period on the end of the sentence for these characters and so yeah him him trying to make things work out for all parties involved uh it just comes across as um not nefarious but it just comes across as um extremely impolite and uh, insensitive to the fact that he doesn't know these people and he certainly doesn't know Tracy, the fact that he well, can just impose on that, even if he's imposing with good intentions or his brother for that matter, that he didn't know him either. Um, that he just kind of steamrolled over his own brother and what his wishes and desires were, because what he's trying to do for him is not what he wants in the end at all. I think this is, this movie could have a, uh, could have issues with people because <laughs> it, it doesn't, you know, we're, we're, I mean, we're talking about it enthusiastically. Uh, but you know, what we're getting at here is that this is, uh, this is about, you know, a, a world where, where no one really gets the, the life that they wanted. Totally. Even if you have some like Tracy, who seems to care for this, the small piece of the world that she has, you know, e even that, can just be randomly altered dramatically and possibly taken away. And it's, uh, yeah, I guess people could have a problem with this film. I, I'm hard pressed to find a reason to dislike it. Um, if you like films that are performance based and, you know, that are, you know, just a little bit quieter, a little bit smaller then I think that you'd have no problem enjoying a film like this. I mean, 
Um, let me let me speak to the Man- issues. If you like Manchester by the Sea, I mean, this is far okay. more approachable than something like that. I don't think it is. Um, you're but, kidding me. Well, I see what you're saying, but I think that when people sit down in a dark room, uh, they they can more easily digest or understand a big tragedy. Like, oh, I get that. I, this one is it's like small little defeats that you could, that the, the characters sort of wear all over their skin as far as mm-hmm. this, this general unease and unhappiness with like where they've ended up in life. And they're, they're, they're desperately trying, uh, and not in a, you know, not in a, a action movie way where they decide to rob a bank. This is not, this is not about <laughs> three senior citizens who decide to get back at the man. You know, it's not, it's not that, that easy. <laughs> And I, I don't think Manchester by Sea is an easy film. I, I really, really like that film. But I do think that this is, as you said, it's quieter. And God knows that I didn't think I would be saying someone's you know, giving a quieter performance than Casey Affleck, who's just sort of morose <laughs> <laughs> throughout that film. <laughs> but you, you're not going to have that, that big sweeping tragedy here. Right. And uh, you know, I'm looking at the IMDb, uh, you know, the image, and it's, you know, it's about uh, people that don't get featured. I think often in films, you know, it's, I, I really like that about, uh, McLaughlin's work. I like this, that he's like sort of spinning these tales of like, you know, North Carolina, his home. And, mm-hmm. um, this is not yet another indie film about, uh, New Yorkers deciding who they're going to sleep with, uh, that week. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that it's, it's just, it would be, it's hard to say, oh, this is what the film's about. Instead, you and I have to have, you know, 15, 20 minute conversations. But I think if people give it the opportunity, they're going to find something here that really resonates. But I, I think it is something too hard to capture in a trailer and capture in an IMDb summary. I, I don't know. So that, that's my, that, that's why I, I wish more. Uh, film critics or you know movie podcasts or whatever would take up these type of films because these are the ones that deserve those conversations. I, I agree with you completely, but I think the movie it's pretty easy to summarize because it's just about grief and loss and trying to sort of move on with your life. And you're right, it's about those small little defeats, and that's what makes this so approachable to me because we all have that and all experience that. Those just the life kicks the shit out of you every day. And it's not these huge sweeping moments. It's these little losses that add up over time. And it's about trying to sort of reclaim your life. And every image of this movie is, you know, kind of expressive of that, that it has this, you know, loss and, you know, you can see the land. This is farming land and tobacco country. And you can absolutely tell that it's beautiful in season, but the way that he shoots it in the time of year that he filmed this movie, it's just, it's rings of death. And there's even a moment when Amy Ryan's character says that, you know, it's really pretty in the spring and you can see them kind of looking forward to better days. And I, th- I, I that's really what the movie's about. And I, anybody that's gone through any level of grief, I think can see themselves projected in this film. It's just, you know, it's just not as sexy as Manchester by the sea. <laughs> that's all. Thank God. Well, you know, I, I think Casey Affleck was great and he's deserving of all the accolades he got for that performance. But, you know, there's there's something especially with I think it's it's a, a masculine flaw or trait where, you know, uh, especially in the film industry, which is dominated by by men, um, that critics can like aspire to be that sort of brooding, grieving character here. 
And I don't think, you know, you're not meant to aspire to be any of these characters (laughs) in particular. You know, there's nothing that is fashionable about their pain. To me, it's more honest that way. And, you know, nothing against, as I said, Manchester by Sea. I I also never thought I would say a Kenneth Lonergan film is far too sexy compared to what I'm talking (laughs) about now. But it's funny. I mean, that's a good, it's a good counterpoint because I, in some of the reviews I have read, uh, they did compare it favorably to Manchester by the Sea and Lonergan's work. Um, and I think uh, that that's that's a compliment. It's a high compliment because I'm a fan of both McLaughlin and, and Lonergan. But, yeah, it's it's one that um, I hope finds its audience. It's it, it may be my favorite film of the year, so I cannot – I'm probably doing it a disservice, but um, I, I was very enthusiastic to watch it. I'll be very enthusiastic to watch it again. But, uh, yeah, just not sexy enough, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this again. And I, this is something that I wouldn't have a problem, you know, sitting down and watching with my mom. Not a lot of movies like that. There's, you know, that I, that I really enjoy that. I think that she would probably connect with as well. And this, this is one of those ones that I think would really work for a wide range of people. If you like sort of adult oriented dramas, then yeah. And it, Amy Ryan gives a performance that's phenomenal and that's pretty standard at this point. We all expect that she's just fucking amazing. But Terry Kinney is also great in this film. And I don't know that I've ever seen him in this large of a role before. And he's just, he's great here. He's doing some almost Bill Paxton esque work. And it's like when he would do those smaller roles and I, it's phenomenal. I can't think of anything about this film that I didn't enjoy. Well, I mean, I can't, I can't, give a higher compliment than that, giving my feelings for Bill Paxton. But um, I, I think it's a difficult role to, to, to play. Cause as I said, I, I really did not like the character. Um, and he's the one that's being very bold and possibly dismissive of his sister, but he's mm-hmm. also meant to be uh, an every man of sorts, you know, salt of the <laughs> earth type guy, you know, that's, or at least that's the, the image he's trying to put out there. He's trying to sort of get back to the basics. And unfortunately that, that plays into this, uh, these these arguments that are going to play out through the film that he's he's trying to really strip everything back down all of the sin in his life even sin he's yeah. not committed his his family sin and it's admirable in one respect but I think the the problem here is that you know you're you're clearly seeing the pain inflicted on on his sister and so it's really hard to it's hard to truck with him but well you look at that opening scene of the film when him and his sister are arguing about whether or not to bury their father in the cemetery or whether to put him in the land that, you know, he loved and both of them sort of have their own point of view. And it's easy to see, you know, they're both, neither one of them are necessarily right. Cause you know, you're kind of walking into the scene and it's the opening moment of it, but they go from this argument to them tugging back and forth on the box of ashes to laughing about it to almost crying again. And it's those moments like that, that never feel forced, that feel utterly real. Um, that I really appreciate about this. And yeah, if you can appreciate something like this, then I I, I don't understand how somebody couldn't see that scene and not want to just go forward with it. It's funny, you know, because there's often the complaint about, you know, only in a movie or that's a movie moment. And uh, one thing that I think the movies, they rarely get right. This one does is that uh, life can be far more fucked up and strange. Those little small moments (laughs) where you, you know, the, the fact that you're coming to some sort of maybe physical, like literal tug of war over your father's ashes and then laughing (laughs) about it and then going back to weeping. Um, you know, I think people see those type of reactions in films and they don't, they need to be, they need to like a, 
a hand to guide them to be like, this is the sad moment. This is the, the funny moment. And that's, that's one thing I like about Manchester by the sea. It's one thing I like about this film is that those can come in the span of, you know, 30 seconds, like two different yeah. opposing forces. So great film. Um, it, it'll be at the top of my list, uh, into this year, presumably. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're into October now and I'm like, well, there's been four good <laughs> ones and, uh, two great. So this is one of the two great ones that I've, I've seen this year. So you guys just fucking baffle me how you just don't get it. Yeah. Why don't you tell me? Cause I'm really curious about what it is that I don't get money. Money. And I'm not talking about little pay increases. I'm talking about fuck you money. You don't want to apply for college loans for your kid? This money says fuck you loans. You worried about car payments? Fuck you payments. The bank's going to come and foreclose on your farm? Fuck you bank. Fuck you money is the ultimate liberator and underneath your town there is fuck you money. So think long and hard about all those brutal days working and, 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 and the goddamn checks you get from whatever frozen peas company's buying. Think about how much you made on your best day and then think real hard about how much you made on your worst because let's be honest with each other. They're all looking like that more and more nowadays, right? These people, this town, this life, it is dying or damn near dead. And you all see it coming and you just don't get the fuck out of the way. Why? Why? Pride of what? What do you got? Shit, how much of it is even yours? I bet all of you are getting subsidy checks from the government, right? Now, when those stop coming, when all the help stops coming and you got nowhere left to go, you're going to remember this conversation and remember the guy who came in and looked you in the eye and said, fuck you. You're an asshole. I think I'm going to be Mr. Vanilla with my, my pick, so I feel like I should go go first. Please go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm not so vanilla that I'm going to be like, well, it's Manchester by the Sea <laughs> that we've already discussed <laughs> at length. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with um, I promise you not just because the title, not because I was lazy or drunk, although I am both of those things. I'm going to go with uh, Gus Van Sant's Promised Land, starring Matt Damon, uh, written by John Krasinski. And I think based on a story by Dave Eckers, who I, I know you love when I bring up a Dave Eckers film <laughs> on this on any of our podcast ventures. You're just a huge fan, so. Uh can't get enough. I, I hate when I do this, you know, for this podcast that I'm picking something that was probably also underseen, like a little film. I'm not, I'm not going big. This is not a, a classic summer blockbuster or classic cinema here, but it's a 2012 film that, uh, I think came and went during an Oscar season. And, uh, I think the distributor even gave up on any Oscar hopes came out like one weekend, January and quickly disappeared. So I have not seen it. And unfortunately I remember when it kind of came and went and then I forgot about it. But uh, it's one Francis, of those ones Francis McDormand. Yeah. Uh, Hal oh, no. Holbrook. Yeah. I mean, there's guy. a lot of elements that make me want to see it, but it's just, it's yeah, easy. Well, you're to... missing one, me. <laughs> 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 I'm here to save independent cinema and obviously Matt Damon's career at this point. <laughs> he needs help. This one, this one's a little more uh, plot specific. You know, it's it's about a guy who works for a natural gas company and he, it's it's, it's the fracking movie. Unfortunately, that was yeah, how it was written about. Yeah. Uh, and what I took from it most is, uh, you know, there's obviously the land battle aspect. As I said, I'm going to be Mr. Vanilla this time. So I'm hoping you're you're exotic with your pick. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping it's speed to cruise control, personally, that you chose for this one. 
Um, what I took from it was, uh, you know, I, I really, the, the Terry Kinney character, he, he bothered me so. And it's interesting, you look at Promised Land, Matt Damon is basically playing that character. He, he's playing the guy saying, you know, you need to give up your land. Now he's doing it for profit. I mean, that's his job. But in the film, it is revealed that he's like an actual true believer. Like he knows the dangers, like the environmental dangers of this. But he truly believes that their land and their way of life, these small towns across America and these flyover states, these communities uh, are dying. And he's he truly believes he's offering them a way out because he comes from one of those towns. He comes from one of those cities where uh, manufacturing up and left – factories left and there was nothing and he saw how devalued not only their property but their pretty much their existence was that their lives no longer mattered so that's what i always really liked about this film is like you know the guy in the the dark hat that comes into town truly cares and thinks he has their best interests at heart and what he wants them he wants them to leave because he just thinks that he does not believe that america has their best interests at heart so the most american thing to do is to cash in and get the fuck out <laughs> How's that yeah. for a happy that you can tell why this, <laughs> this took the world by storm back in January of 2013. Well, you know, um, this is just going to be the feel good podcast of the year. Cause, um, I went with the savages. <laughs> well, all right, we're going to, we're going to fix this and take two and, uh, I'm going to go Zoolander for, for my choice. <laughs> I honestly, I just went to Wikipedia real quick to see if I could course correct in the time while you were talking. Um, because and it, you have to admit that's what we're always doing when the other one's talking. We're like, all right, how do I fix this? This fuck up. And actually, this upward mobility fixation of yours—it's counterproductive and frankly pretty selfish. Selfish? Yeah, because it's not about dad; it's about you, you and your guilt. That's what these places prey upon. I, I happen to think it's nicer here. Of course you do. Because you're the consumer that they want to target. You're the guilty demographic. The landscaping, the neighborhoods of care, they're not for the residents, they're for the relatives. People like you and me who don't want to admit to what's really going on here. Which is what, John? People are dying, Wendy. Right inside that beautiful building right now, it's a fucking horror show. You went with the sister-brother angle then. I went with the sister-brother angle and I went with the grief angle. Um, and I was just kind of looking at movies that were dealing with grief and kind of moving on. And for me, the land battle aspect of uh, abundant acreage was secondary. That that's just sort of, that's the MacGuffin of the movie <laughs> that that's their um, briefcase filled with gold and pulp fiction. It doesn't really matter. It's How just dare you, that- sir say that when I, I put up a movie as my choice called promised land <laughs> land, Chris land. <laughs> And that's what you connected with in the movie, <laughs> that, that plot device. It was me. It was the, the grief element of it. Um, and in The Savages, you have uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Laura Linney both, and except the difference here being they're estranged and coming back together um, for a parent that's aging and sli- uh, slipping into dementia, if I remember correctly. It's been a little while since I've seen this one. Um, so the dementia so- angle worked for you as well. <laughs> i'm really just trying to paint you as mr vanilla again i chose promised land but i'm like up, oh, up. Oh, you were so on the nose chris look at you <laughs> well the the only thing that i had going for me on this that i i broke out of the 90s finally it, it took me until october but you know i decided to finally leave the 90s on this one yes but i'm in the uh i'm in the current decade you're still in the uh 
<laughs> what do they call them? The Ots, I guess. I don't <laughs> know. But I, I guess out of the three here, The Savages is our big tentpole film. God, we've got to do better, man. We are not saving independent cinema with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all we're going to do is uh, refer back to uh, other films that not a lot of people saw. But I think that that's part. Okay. So with this particular movie, um, the things that you would connect with it are these smaller movies. I mean, I guess you could go with something like Manhattan, I guess, you know, that would be one that people have seen. <laughs> it's kind of a classic film that you could have a little bit of that angle in it, but that's barely there. Bridge over the River Kwai? How about that? <laughs> the fucking big, man. <laughs> Getting tricked of your land, blow it all up at the end. Big set piece. Could all right. have. Okay. I, right. I'm tired. I, I didn't have the strength to, to, to go with such bullshit for this. Um, I think mainly what we're, what we're both talking about here is, uh, and it's unfortunate. Now, the savages I have seen and quite like, I mean, I'm not going to dislike. Uh, a film with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Laura Linney as brother and sister. Like you would, I can't imagine the skill set of a person that could direct the film with that premise, with those two <laughs> actors. And I'd be like, well, that was a load of shit. That was terrible. <laughs> and actually it would be more impressive if you could make a shitty movie with those two. And with, uh, Tamara Jenkins directing and Alexander Payne. Did Alexander Payne write it or was he just a producer on it? Oh, that I don't know. Um, I actually, I'd, I'd forgotten he had any sort of, uh, I think he just produced it. Okay. Yeah. Let's not give him any credit. He's good. enough. <laughs> <laughs> he has enough credit. <laughs> yeah. He's good. Well, let me ask you this. This is something that I've wanted to do and I've been, you know, I've been editing uh, the podcast because we got out in advance uh, recording these early, you know, thankfully we're, we're given some degree of access, uh, to, to do absolutely no service to these films by, by picking <laughs> promised land, the savages. But, um, I'm now sort of reflecting back on what we've done, like in the first month of this, this podcast. And one thing that we've, I've not just directly put out there at the table and maybe now's the time, um, is, you know, why do you think that you gravitate towards the, the familial aspect of abundant acreage available and you know why do you think that i went with the actual the land battle and that the idea of place again see you're, you're gonna push me down a path that it leads into what you were complaining about in the beginning of this um with oversharing and so <laughs> no that, that, that that's great that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to script this so that it, this is like a you know a 22 minute sitcom you know now it's time to, to go back full circle and we have the, the family sits on the couch and we all learn a lesson so <laughs> take it away pops oh oh well, thank th- thank you for the, i mean i see you as an al bundy father figure you know it's, it's we're not going totally sappy here you've got the your your hand in your pants presumably we don't have scott <laughs> video on but i just assume it, it's not that far off from the truth but um <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, out of the two of us, um, and, and it's not so much true because I, I, I would say I'm more of the family man, I guess, out of the two, but that's just because I have kids. But you also have a connection to your family, starting your own, married. Um, you speak of your father with reverence, and I hear about the, the way that you talk about your mother-in-law. So you have a deep connection to your family as well. And so that part of that and having – four brothers and sisters and the idea of growing old and having my mom, you know, kind of entering this phase of her life right now 
where we're starting to have as brothers and sisters, you know, at family gatherings, we have those kind of quiet conversations about what we're going to do, what the next step will be. Um, because that day will be sooner than later when we'll be, you know, in a position like that. And so, yeah, that, that's something that was, you know, kind of not exactly what we're going through right now, clearly, but it's something that's on my mind. It's kind of always lingering in the background. Anytime that there's a family gathering or anything, there's that element to it. And so I completely relate to that part of it because we, there's, you know, different dynamics when you have five kids, you know, there's almost clicks in a way. There's enough of us that, you know, we'll have different opinions and kind of there is a little bit of a push and pull there. And so I, I can imagine moments like this in a funeral and when dealing with grief where there will be those, you know, sort of heated exchanges that do end up, you know, ending in laughter and then going back to crying. And so, yeah, there, there was a, definitely a cathartic element to this film for me. I'm just going to say same for me. (laughs) 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 Not, not for the, uh, not for the savages, but it it does work for me uh, with promised land uh, coming from a small town where I, you know, I still, I still obviously know people there, but um, I think almost, yeah, all of my friends, all the, the guys I remain close with um nobody lives there anymore like everyone like it's like you you went to high school you maybe go back and visit family but as far as going out and like living your life um like no one even entertained the notion of sticking around uh which is it's i mean it's it's sad in the way but it was it wasn't even considered this like like moral or ethical or even cool thing to do it was just like oh yeah there's yeah there's obviously nothing here so you you go to school here and um you know you you maybe come back and visit family but you you obviously have to leave because this (laughs) there's there's no there's nothing there um in the structure of like a small rural town anymore for for people to really stick around like economically you know if you're gonna have a job you're gonna go out and and do anything with yourself and so having someone who still has fond feelings where they came from, like the the Matt Damon character, which I know you've not seen. So I'm just really Mm -hmm. spoiling the hell of this for you. And probably anyone who's listening to this podcast are like, what the fuck? What are you talking about again? Are you you talking about (laughs) speed two cruise control? Cause I didn't see that either. Um, but having someone who speaks with some degree of warmth about the characters, you know, it's not, this is not sweet home Alabama with uh, Reese Witherspoon where she goes off the big city uh, comes back to make fun of the yokels at home, but then falls in love with one of them. You know, then it's like, it's like a very begrudging, like, Oh, okay. I guess there's something here because I found a sexy fella, that sort of thing. Like Matt Damon <laughs> is speaking to these people like as actual human beings, but he's, there's still that degree of arrogance that like, I know better. Like anyone who's left behind, there's been some sort of failure or something tragic that has kept them there. And so I thought of that a lot with abundance acreage available, you know, there, there's clearly something. And also I uh, just want to point out that Terry Kinney is also in my film. So I think I win in this, you know, if we're doing, Oh, yeah. Oh God, you, you doubled down. You had vanilla with a scoop of vanilla yeah. on top of it. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's how the world operates. My friend, a lot of <laughs> vanilla out there. <laughs> Trump's America. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure Trump's America loves them some abundant acreage available. <laughs> Promised land, the savages. Yeah, that's our demo. 
<laughs> but I, I thought about it with with the Terry Kenny character of Jesse because with his his tragedy, there it feels like there's unfinished business for him, and that, that's where the the debate, the philosophical debate, comes in. It's not about you know selling to a gas company. Uh, Tracy doesn't necessarily see it as some sort of unfinished business with their with their home she sees it as their home this is you know this is where i live and i i like that i was reminded a lot of the the gus van sant film as far as those philosophical battles it's handled better here because uh as i said there's no like you know uh ticking clock as far as signing the papers like you know there's no uh i actually like that that there's not a scene like that that it's all just it's all just the character's uh, interacting with one another and there's nothing, as I said, tangible or physical there, but that's what was on my mind. Um, it does help that it's brother and sister here, but I, I could have easily seen this film play out if you were going to write it differently, that it's, you know, it's about two neighbors or something, you know, it's about people that grew up in the same area, but for whatever reason, just have very different ideas of what their home or where they come from, what it means to them. So, yeah, I, I think that the idea of the siblings, though, um, because that's explored on both sides. And it's your pack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was referring to an abundant acreage um, where it's the, the older siblings um, with the three brothers and the brother and sister. So that that was that those dynamics are clearly, I think, what they're playing with here. Well, we'll uh, we'll settle this with. Uh our episode on boogie nights. We'll get into that. That's our ultimate family movie versus Terminator two judgment day. I, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Um, <laughs> they're both about big cocks, right? That's just, who has the biggest one. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm assuming that's Dirk Diggler. That's a steel rod. If I've ever seen one, I'm really glad you, uh, I, I expected Maynard to say Edward Furlong, obviously. And I was just going to be like, Oh, Chris, why did you, <laughs> why did you go there yet again? <laughs> <laughs> family yeah, man have i gone down that path at some point <laughs> you've uh you, you've had some uh some room killing jokes and not in the comedian killing sense but uh that <laughs> the awkward skype silence <laughs> you, that's actually kind of what i'm going for so i feel that a uh, sense of success when that's what the response i'm just glad this is at the very end of the episode so i don't feel like uh no one no one is listening hopefully they're just watching abundant acreage available <laughs> god i hope so yeah that's 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 the true hope is they just look at the the title of our podcast they don't listen they just have enough faith they're like okay let's see what that's about before we listen oh. to their bullshit you know what that that's kind of the ultimate goal for the show you don't actually have to listen to it just look at like it's the nerd at the video store recommended pick that's all it is just look at it for the little tab you see it and move on with your day don't listen to this bullshit but for whatever reason if you'd like to hear more of our bullshit please subscribe on itunes go to followingfilms.com where you can find this podcast and many more such as chris's interview show named following films it's also easy to follow us on social media because we are at projecting film kind of nailed it on the uh the handle there maybe not so much in the actual content of what you'll find on those social media platforms but anyway most important thing is that you join us again next week i'm really looking forward to discussing this film it is 7852 and it is a documentary 
on the shower sequence from Psycho, one of my favorites. So, just in time for the Halloween season, and uh, what am I talking about? It's always a good time to discuss the shower scene from Psycho. Consider this our Christmas episode, or Thanksgiving, or Easter. This material is evergreen when it comes to enjoying it with your loved ones and very small children. I may cut it right there because I'm kind of getting a little bit angry. Like I know I know what I'm about to say is like one of those like uh, Mike's gonna <laughs> Mike's gonna <laughs> learn the, the podcast community a thing or two here, but it, it does uh, it does astound me the amount of times I'll I'll get uh, a response of like oh cool yeah I like your I like your podcast and like yeah I'm gonna listen to those episodes when you know when I when I watch the movies because I've never you know, I haven't seen any of these movies that you're chris are talking about and i'm like yeah that's the that's the fucking point that's uh that's uh, we're saying you should you know <laughs> do we really need to put it that much up on front street for people you, you think it's you think this is a review show where we're gonna be like oh this is a real fucking piece of shit you know we chose to spend a half hour or 40 minutes or more um really thinking about this and how this film made us feel and what it reminded us of <laughs> The amount of shit you people watch and <laughs> what you choose to spend your time on. Uh, it's not a huge act of faith here to, to, to watch some of these, these films. So, all right, I'll just keep it at that. That way I can keep it in. It's, I can keep my, my scolding in there without it being four hours long. <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping for that. I mean, we, we need – I think that's the real spinoff show that we're heading towards. Where it's just it's you in full on network mode <laughs> with your microphone bitching about film Twitter. 